ASCS Student Ministries, Devin here, excited to bring you week three of our Free People series. Um, we're still talking about the relationship between freedom and rules that we see as Christians in our world today. And if you haven't listened before, maybe this sounds strange, um, but when I think about uh, following the rules, one of the first things I think about is zombies and in particular zombie movies. Um, I don't know if you guys have watched any either video games or movies or whatever it seems to be. I think video games is probably even more common for you guys. Um, but they, and I don't mean, when I say remember when zombies are everywhere, I don't mean literally everywhere, obviously. I mean in in those movies, or tell, it seemed like a while, it seemed like every game or movie that came out had like zombies in them, right? Um, I don't know how you guys feel about those, but I don't know, to me they're pr- kind of freaky. Um and not just like not the zombies i would say like whatever sometimes they're kind of scary but um for the most part they're not too bad um i actually um mean the uh the the like civilization i guess is what i'm trying to say that that they live in that's that's the part that can be kind of terrifying to see uh just the chaos the way that people seem to just turn on it on each other when they're in this stressful situation as soon as zombies show up it seems like civilization civilization collapses there's no more rules and laws and suddenly it's everyone to themselves it seems like it just happens like immediately that happens and there's nothing left um for the last couple of weeks we've been talking about how there are some rules that we really hate to follow um, but at the same time some rules are necessary for us uh, the people in your favorite zombie story might technically be free of the laws and rules they used to live by, um, but that kind of life isn't freedom, not when everyone is against each other and only looking out for themselves. Okay, so maybe you wouldn't want to live in a world where there are no rules, but what's a better option? Maybe a world where you're in charge and get to make the rules. I mean, it Think about think about this. If you were king or queen for a day, what would you do, and which rules did you want uh, to make or break right away? And being in charge for some people, it might they might say absolutely not, but for a lot of people, it sounds pretty fun, right? You could fill uh, your year, your calendar with calendar with things you like to do, and skip the things that you don't. Uh, you could cancel classes at school you don't like, or just cancel school altogether. You could pass laws that make your life more fun, happy, and convenient. Um, there's an old movie. Most of you guys probably haven't seen this. Um, also, not encouraging you to go watch it because it's it's inappropriate. But it's called Click. Uh, it's a movie with Adam Sandler, and he gets his hands on this remote control that is able to control his whole life. Right? Um, maybe it seems like it would be awesome to have this kind of power, having a remote that controls the people around us. But as you can probably imagine, this kind of power can lead to some problems. I mean, what if you weren't the person in control? What if someone else had the power in that movie? You see like the cool main character that has like control of it. But what if you're the other person in that, the rest of the people in that movie, um, someone else has all the power. They'd be able to do whatever they wanted. And their ones probably wouldn't, uh, or would probably be pretty different from what yours are. Or what if there were more than one remote? You might want to cancel math class and only study history. Well, they might want all day gym classes. You'd make a law telling everyone to pay you a dollar a day for just being awesome, whatever it might be, but they'd want that dollar to go to them instead. So where would it stop? We all want freedom to do our own thing, but if everyone wants different things, how do we decide who gets what they want? There was a time when I was um, 
I wouldn't say in charge, but I was, um, we didn't have official captains of our track team in college. Um, but if we were to pick people, they would, I would have been someone probably that was close to that. I was in charge of a lot of workouts, um, helping people through. I mean, that was why there was a big reason why they asked me to come back and coach as soon as I graduated. So my senior year, I spent a lot as acting almost as an assistant coach kind of captain, um, to the rest of the team. Um, so in that position, it meant that I was getting on some of the newer people, um, during workouts and things like that of like really trying to push themselves. And I could tell there was a lot of the younger people. Some of them really liked me. Uh, some of them definitely didn't, especially the ones that I was having to tell more often, like, Hey, pick it up, pick it up. Let, uh, like there's something in track where you get to the college level in sports and it's probably not just track, but all sports where as an athlete, you have not been pushed, um, to what you can and you don't know about it until you've actually just done it and been pushed by someone else. So I see freshman, sophomore, um, kids in track and knowing that they haven't been to that level yet. Some of them may have, and that's where the ones that liked me, but the ones that were there yet, I knew they could do it. They just were not quite there to push themselves mentally. Um, I thought, or push their body to that point. And so me being in charge and telling them, Hey, pick it up, pick it up, whatever it might be that did not make me friends for sure. Um, sometimes we're not sure. Um, I guess it's not an easy balance to strike, right? The balance between, um, what we want, which was for me was everyone working hard on the team. Um, cause we were a team working together for a conference championship. Um, and most of the time we don't even want to maybe sometimes make that compromise, right? Most of the time we want to make decisions that benefit us. Um, and for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the most important rule God ever gave us. Although some people think God needs us to obey long lists of rules, Jesus said there is one law that matters most, and that's the law of love. And we read in Matthew chapter 18 um, about how Jesus gives the commandment, which is love love your God and love your neighbors. And that's, that's it. According to Jesus, following God comes down to this. There's those two things, loving God and loving others as you love yourself. The greatest commandment sounds simple, but it's not easy to do. Um, and if you've been here for the last couple of weeks or listening, you know that we've been talking about James. He was the brother of Jesus and leader of, um, the church in Jerusalem, Jerusalem during the early years of the Jesus movement. And during that time, he wrote a letter to the early followers of Jesus that you can now find in the Bible as the book of James. In this letter, James was trying to help these Jesus followers learn how to obey God's law, which was the law of love. James wasn't a king, but he was still a very powerful person. Because he led one of the most important communities of Jesus followers at the time, people wanted to hear what he had to say, right? He also had a reputation for being just and fair, as illustrated by his nickname, James the Just. James had a lot of authority, he had a lot of power, and he had a lot of, he had a lot of influence. From people from all over looked to James for wisdom. So when a dispute arose among a bunch of churches from different regions, they looked to James to judge this dispute and make a ruling on who was right and who was wrong. And this dispute was in Acts chapter 15, um... Basically, some people were wondering if um, the Gentiles should be let into the church and if they needed to be circumcised or not um, to become part of it. Um, And most of the first followers of Jesus were Jewish people who believed Jesus was the Messiah God had promised, but not everyone who followed Jesus was from a Jewish background. 
So some of these early Jesus followers believed everyone needed to convert to Judaism in order to follow Jesus, and conversion wasn't an easy process. Other Jew, Jew, Jesus believers believed the only thing anyone needed to do to follow Jesus was to trust and commit to following him. And so James listened carefully to all of the perspectives and made a decision that no one should be forced to go through lots of difficult steps in order to follow Jesus. So did that decision make James uncomfortable? It probably did. Uh, Would it have been easier for James to tell everyone that they had to become Jewish before they became Christians? It probably would have because that was the majority of Christians at the time. So it would have been easier to say that. And James grew up Jewish and he followed Jewish laws. So it would have been comfortable to tell others to do what he'd done. He was telling people to live how he had lived. But James took a more difficult path. James understood that his decision wouldn't impact God's love for him, and he was free to do whatever he wanted to do. But James was also committed to following Jesus' law of love, and he knew the most loving thing he could do was to make it easy for others to know Jesus. James decided his comfort was not as important as loving others. And I wonder if James was thinking about this situation when he wrote these words. And this is where we're going to open James um, chapter 2. Uh, just a couple verses here towards the end. Uh, James chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. It says, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So number one, the law gives freedom. God's law, the law of love, gives us freedom. We're free to make the decisions that benefit us and give us what we want. If that's what we want, God's not going to stop us or love us any less. But number two, prepare for judgment. God's law of love gives us freedom, but we're still called to speak and act out of love for God and others. And this is the thing we will be judged on. There will be no mercy for the unmerciful. That's number three. James isn't threatening us. He's reminding us that justice has a way of coming back around. So when we mistreat people, take advantage of others, or consistently prioritize ourselves over others, we will eventually face consequences. But, and lastly, number four, God is merciful to the merciful. When we're compassionate, forgiving, and gracious to each other, God sees that. You could say we have the freedom to treat people however we'd like. But when we live in a way that prioritizes our wants and comfort at the expense of others, we're not really free. That's why Jesus told us the most important thing we can do besides loving God isn't just to love ourselves, but to love others like we love ourselves. It's why the book of James tells us to show mercy to others instead of judgment, because we'll never live freely as long as we're only living for ourselves. There's one thing we will someday answer for, and that's how did we love God and love others? We can make decisions that benefit only ourselves, but free people make decisions that benefit others. So let's think back to that decision James had to make. If you were an early follower of Jesus, how do you think you would have responded? Would you have wanted all of the new Jesus followers to go through all of the same steps that you went through to become Jewish? Do you think you would have been okay with putting your comfort, traditions, and experiences aside for the sake of others? And what would you do if you disagreed with the people making the final decision? It's almost impossible to put ourselves in the shoes of these early Jewish, early followers of Jesus, but their disagreement 
is similar to a lot of the disagreements we have with each other today. This wasn't a good versus evil kind of debate. Everyone involved was trying to do what was good, right, and honoring to God. And there also wasn't a clear answer. Everyone in the conversation had the same goal, which was to see people come to know Jesus, but they disagreed about how to achieve that goal. And there were probably some people who got angry at James' decision or couldn't understand his point of view. James ultimately made a decision that prioritized others over himself, and I'm so glad he did. If James had chosen differently, you and I might never have had the opportunity to follow Jesus. James' new difficult decisions rarely have a clear yes or no, right or wrong answer, especially when you're in a decision-making position like James was. So when we're faced with a difficult decision, maybe we shouldn't think in terms of what is right and wrong, and it's maybe more helpful to think like what's best for me and what's best for others. Anyone can make a decision that benefits only them, but Jesus calls us to a different way of living that follows his law of love. So let's see how good we are at figuring out how to make decisions that benefit others. So earlier in this podcast when we shared what we do if we were king or you're thinking to yourself what you would do if you're king or queen for a day so let's think about that again well let's team let's this time let's see if we can make some decisions that benefit others so if you're king or queen for a day think to yourself how would you make decisions to benefit others someday in the future there will be a time when you are in charge you might be in charge of a group project You might become captain of your team. You might become someone's boss. You might mentor someone younger than you. You might become a parent. These are all positions of authority where you are in charge of someone. And throughout your life, you'll have plenty of chances to be in charge, to make the rules, and to make big decisions. But that's a lot of authority for one person. So when you're in charge, what should you do with all of that power? You will be tempted to use it for your own gain, but don't. Using your authority for your own gain might be nice for a moment, but it won't be satisfying in the long run. Instead, we follow James's lead. We act wise, merciful, and we're led by love. Use your power for the to benefit um, of others, not just yourself. But this isn't something you have to wait to practice in the future. You don't need to have kids or employees or people under your command in order to lead with love. You can make decisions that benefit others every day, like the way that you treat your family, uh, what you do for your friends, how you use your time, money, or other talents. If you aren't prioritizing others over yourself right now, gaining more power or influence will not make you suddenly care about others more than yourself. That journey starts now. So how can you leverage the influence and power that you already have to benefit others? In what ways do you already have influence? Are you influential influential in your friends group, on social media, on your team, or with a younger family member? What kinds of decisions do you have the power to influence at home, at school, at church, in your group of friends, or in the world? And how will you manage the influence and power you already have? Will you use it to benefit you, or will you use it to benefit others? Thanks to Jesus, we have freedom, but we'll never live freely as long as we're only living for ourselves. Free people make decisions that benefit others. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope to see you on Wednesday nights at Youth Group Hub. Everyone's staying safe with all the ice storm mess that's happening and going on right now. Uh, Love you guys. See you next time.